for us and to us all the time. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us, no matter where or when, where or what time of the day or night it is. God's always there. Father's Day. You know, I found out something a long time ago. Two things are not true on our calendar. One being something that happened in May, Mother's Day, and something that happens in June, Father's Day. And I grew up with my mom and dad every day was Father or Mother's Day. Every day was the day that they guided, corrected, gave us tasks or chores to do. Every day they expressed to us love. And that's what we are to do back all the time. I was talking with our eldest son yesterday by phone. He said, Dad, I can't come to see you tomorrow. I said, okay. He said, we're, we're going on a little motorbike ride down at Oriental. Any of you know where Oriental is? Down on the sound somewhere. On, I don't know. Is that the Tar River? Whatever river. It's way down there. He and his wife are going down there, and they, he said, but we'll, we have to come back Sunday for church, and so uh, uh, since we won't be at church this coming Sunday, I can't be there to see you. I said, it's okay, son. I said, the most important thing is, and he says, yes, I know. I said, what do you know? He said, what have you taught us? There's one thing and one thing only we need to concentrate on as parents, and that is... We all have the same amount of what? Four-letter word. Time. And he said, Dad, uh, I didn't include you in this with my time this week. And I'm sorry, but I'll see you on a Monday. Time. How much time do you have in your life? All of us have the same 24 hours, do we not? And how do we use that time? Any of you like baseball or ever go to a baseball game? Nobody likes baseball. Brother Best, he likes baseball. Miss Best. You go see the Mudcats? Okay. How, how long does a ball game last, a ba baseball game last? Only nine innings? No, it doesn't. I was down in Augusta, Georgia with our daughter and family, and it went to 13 innings. I thought that thing would never end. So it can go over nine. How about a basketball game? You ever play overtime? Or a football game. Or a hockey game. Well, how much time do we really have? Or, back up, how many of you are golfers? Or fishermen? Think about it. How much time do you really have? It's really how we set our calendar, isn't it? And I want to take time this morning to just introduce some thoughts to you as God speaks to us out of his word. Any of you into genealogy? Any of you know where you came from? You know your family tree? How far back does that tree take you? If you travel back further enough, you'll find out that that tree takes you all the way back to Adam. It began there. That's where your whole heritage began. But along the way, there were different little limbs that came out of it. And as you think about your family genealogy, Sometimes you say, as you go back, as I have said, and I don't go back very far, our son had to do, a, a Stephen, our son had to do something at East Wake when he was a student there on genealogy for class, and he was asking his mom and myself about our family trees. But as we think about genealogy, when you look at the book of First Chronicles chapter 9, 
from chapter 1 to chapter 9 in the book of 1 Chronicles, it's all about genealogy. It's all about the names of people. And when, it, when you begin to look at it, in chapter 1, it starts off blankly by saying, Adam. And then it goes on through names after names after names after names after names and after names. You'll not find these chapters on your daily Bible reading. It won't be there. You get a book that you go through, you know, to have a daily Bible. It doesn't take you there. But when you read through the Bible, as you read God's Word from the beginning to the end, you say, well, I'm not going to read these. I'm just going to jump over them. There are little nuggets in there that are very important for all of us to grab. And here's a nugget that comes out of chapter 9 of 1 Chronicles, verse 1. And look, if you will, at what God has to say there. So all of Israel was recorded by genealogies, and indeed, they were inscribed in the books of the kings of Israel. But Judah was carried away captive into Babylon because of their unfaithfulness. As God begins to express to us what was happening to Judah from the first chapter of first of first Chronicles nine, I'm sorry, first Chronicles one to chapter nine at the end, you're going to expand a period of some thirty five hundred years in time. Until Israel under captivity is released and they come back to Jerusalem. And so as God speaks, then let your uh, eyes wander on through down to verse 13. Look at the latter part of verse 13. He says, They were very able men for the work of the service of the house of God. Very able men. Men who were willing to do what God asked them to do. You know, the greatest example that any father or any mother can give their children through life is to give them the example of being committed to the Lord God Almighty. That they see in your life that Christ means more than just Sunday morning. He means more than just going to church or going to Sunday school. He means everything to your life. And in God's word, it speaks of these who were found faithful men, able men for the work that God designed for them to do. The service of our Lord is a service that is very much a service in need, in need of men. Women, they're there. Women are committed. They're giving themselves, they're involved, but men are lacking in the ministry of the Lord. I was glad to hear what Brother Best had to say about remembering some men who were away on missions with your church and how important that is. And in most cases, very few men are willing to give that product called time to the Lord. And so he's speaking here of abled men, men that God needs to serve him in the ministry that God is trying to fulfill in this world. Many in the church today don't want to totally commit themselves to the Lord. They don't want to get involved because I don't have time for that. I only have time because my calendar is so filled up 
with many other things, the wants that I want in life, those things that I feel comfortable doing. I was listening to Dr. Boozer a moment ago as he was telling me what he does uh, weekly. Any of you know he goes swimming a lot every week? Faithfully. Rides stationary bicycles. You know, I, I ride 20 miles and doesn't go anywhere. I mean, that's, that's great. Isn't it? But why does he do all that? What's the purpose or the intent of that? So he may be physically fit to do the work of the ministry God is calling upon him to do. And so when we think about what God is asking of us in our own personal lives, I want to give you just five little things that God would have us to understand in our own personal lives of how we can be very able men for the work of the ministry and women. For the work of the ministry. For what God would have us to do. First of all, I want you to think with me on this concept that's in the latter part of verse 13. Very able men or women for the work of the service of the house of the Lord. First of all, you have to go to the book of Isaiah. In the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah, it's there where Isaiah sees God high and lifted up. He sees him sitting up there in his temple, in his tabernacle. And it's filled. It's filled. And he stands there, and as he is taken back by the awe of God in verse 8 of chapter 6, Isaiah, as God speaks, responds to that which God speaks after he is, uh, as he is speaking to Isaiah. And he And Isaiah responds to the question of the Lord. And he says, As I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Or who will go for me? Now think about this. Who shall I send? Or who will go for me? Isaiah responded by saying, What? Here am I, what? Send me. The first thing that you have to be in order to be ready to be very able servants of the Lord, is first of all, available. You've got to be available to the Lord. When He calls, whatever time of the day that is, you have to be available. Any of you ever have to have a need for calling Pastor Jared or, or one of your other pastors? You ever call them? You only call them during office hours, though, right? Why not? Because you don't have needs only during office hours. And then so with the Lord. The Lord doesn't just call when you are open. You haven't placed anything on your calendar. He calls at any time and all the time. And we are to make ourselves available in order to be people who are willing to do what our Lord asks of us. And so Isaiah says, here I am. Now look at Isaiah as he begins to say, here I am, send me. He didn't ask now, where am I going to go first? I I don't want to go too far. I want to stay close to uh, Green Pines. Or or, or I want to stay close to my family. I want to stay. He doesn't say anything like this. He just says, here I am. You send me wherever you want to send me. I'm ready to go. And that's what God wants of us. But sometimes we have a, a sign, you find them in motels or hotels inside the door, hanging on the doorknob. And we sometimes take that little sign of our own life and we hang it on 
the doorknob of our heart. And it says, do not what? Disturb. I'm busy. I've got my wants to fulfill. I've got my desires to fulfill. But God says, oh, no, no. I have a need for you to fulfill. Are you available? And Isaiah says, yes. May I remind you that Moses was busy with his, grand, with his father-in-law's flocks on the backside of the desert when he was called by God. Where are you as God speaks to your heart? Or there is Gideon as he is threshing wheat by the winepress when God speaks to him? Or there is Elisha busy plowing? Or there is Saul chasing after mules? We can name people, persons after persons. As God began to speak to their lives, they were doing other things, but they stopped and they said, I'm available. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. Our response must always be, Lord, I am available to you. Call for your servant heareth. Speak, Lord. What an important concept to hold on to. You say, well, I'm just too busy to be available to the Lord any and all the time. If you're too busy, then you are too busy. Having no time for the, for the Lord when he speaks or calls on your life. Pastor Simmons was holding a funeral one time, and he was at the graveside as they were having the final time of burying the, this great Christian lady who had died. And after the service had closed, he began to wander through a cemetery. You ever go through old cemeteries and read headstones and read epitaphs that are there on those headstones? Well, he was doing this. And as he was wandering around, he came across this uh, epitaph. And this is what it said. And I quote, When from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, even then shall this be my plea. Jesus has lived and died for me. Think about that. Jesus gave his life that you might have life. Well, at the same time, as he was wandering through the cemetery, he saw a young lady over down on her knees, and she was weeping. And uh, he goes over and says, uh, is this... One of your family members buried here? She said, oh, no, no, I'm just here. Uh, well, I don't know why I'm here. He said, well, come, let me show you something I just found. And he brought her over to the tombstone, and he read this to her. He began to talk a little bit more about her, and he found out that this woman was in a home that didn't have anything, hardly. She had two children. Her mother-in-law was living with her. Her husband had already died. Her father was dead. And she had no means to care for them. And she was there, ready to commit suicide in the cemetery. He began to help her. His church began to help her. They began to provide and make a way and got her to a place where she could get a job, where she could make money. And 
There wasn't any time out of that expression of availability for the Lord, she too came to know Christ as her living Lord. Only because, you know, if I, as a pastor at a cemetery, I can say, well, I got to get back to church. I got to go to the hospital. I got I got a lot of I got us. But he took time and said, Lord, I'm available. That's one of my sheep, children. I created them. They need me. Are you available? So hold on to that. We, great men of the Lord, must be available. Secondly, I want you to think upon this. Not only are we to be available, we ought to be dependable. How dependable are we? Go with me to another text. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's verse number 2. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. How faithful are you unto the Lord? Why does God ask of us to be faithful? Because he is faithful. Was it not Jesus who said, I have come not to do my will, but the will of my Father? Not my will be done, Lord, but thy will be done. He was faithful in every sense of the word. All the way through, he kept his eyes focused upon the one thing that God wanted him to fulfill. And he did it to the very end. Even when he hung on the cross and said, why? Yet he died that we might have eternal life. And as we look at God's word in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not everybody is a preacher. Not everybody is a singer. Like Miss Becky, not everybody can teach. But God has gifted every one of his children with a gift. You may not have the same gifts of those sitting next to you, but God has given you a spiritual gift to be used for his kingdom's work. He has given us those gifts. And we are to take them and say to him, Lord, I am, you can depend on me. Van Savner, any of you ever heard, any of you ever hear Van Savner preach? Dr. Van Savner, what a man he was. I'm, I'm sorry God took him home because he was such full of wit. And he could come out with some wonderful little phrases that uh, stayed with you. And here's one of them I want to pass on to you. He says, many saints prefer to be flashy comets instead of faithful stars. They go up like a rocket, and they come down like a rock. If it's going to put me in the limelight, I'm going to do it. If I'm out there where people are going to notice me, I'm going to do it. But don't ask me to be behind the scenes. More goes on behind the scenes than up front. Are you dependable? That no matter where God uses you, you're willing to say, Lord, I'll be available to you. I will be dependable. You can count on me. I'll be there. But let me give you a third thought. A third thought is we are also to be men who are mobile. Mobility. In this day and time, oh, that is one sure thing. 
The automobile has really broken up the home in a sense of the word. There was a time everybody lived right around one another on the farm. Grandma, grandpa, aunts and uncles. Any of you recall those days when you didn't live too far from your cousins? Too far from your aunts and uncles? Well, today it's not that way. They may be in the next state or two or three states or on the other side of the world, but you can get to them in a short period of time. Mobility. But when God thinks, speaks to us about this matter of mobility, he's not talking about getting in a car or us being an automobile. He's speaking of it in a different way. Look in the gospel according to Mark in chapter 16. Go to the last part of Mark. And there in verse 15, the Lord speaks and he says, as he said to his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel only to your friends. And preach the gospel only to those that you know who are the same race, who like the same things, and on and on I could go. Is that what he says? What's the last word? Preach the gospel to who? All people. All people. Red, yellow, or black, or white. They are precious in his sight. My grandfather on my mother's side was very prejudiced against African Americans. I said to him one day, I said, Granddaddy, you know, if you get to go to heaven, he looked at me and said, what do you mean if? Well, I said, let me rephrase that. If When you go to heaven, you know what I believe? God has a great sense of humor. And in his great mansion in glory, he's going to have you living right next door to an African-American Christian, redeemed child of God. God says, go and share with everyone. doesn't matter who they are. What color? In the book of Revelations, he speaks this way. He says, around the throne from every tribe and people group and nation, it doesn't matter where they come from. They'll be in glory. My eyes were opened when I served on the International Mission Board as a trustee for eight years. And to know that we're having to bring home over 600 career missionaries because we have no funds to keep them on the field is a tragedy. We've had to close down the master's program. But I had my time of being able to go overseas. And my whole area was East Asia. And Joanne got to go with me a time. And to see Asian Christians, Chinese Christians, who so loved the Lord that they were willing to leave early in the morning and get on a train or a bus and ride for four or five hours to come to a place in an underground church to worship the Lord. I met with five preachers, pastors of underground churches. Joanne didn't get to go there either. We had to go in ways that would, uh, because of me being an American, would uh, not allow the people of, of the, the, the Secret Service, I guess you were the spies, whatever, to follow us. And there I met with these five men. The oldest was 82 years old. And he came from a 12-hour 
train ride, traveled all night and half the day just to meet with me for an hour. Think about this, mobility. We can go anywhere in this world today in a short period of time. But when was the last time you went up the street or across the street or next door to talk with a lost person? Or even in your own family to talk with a lost person? You shall be my preachers to all people. Every one of you is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ if you've been born again. You don't have to be a pastor to be a minister, but you are a minister already. So how many ministers does Green Pine have? Only Jerry? Only Brother Best or John Boozer? No. As many members that are redeemed by the blood of Christ, you are ministers of the gospel of Christ. So we are to be mobile. We are to move. Where to go? Did, did uh, Adam, or did, I'm not Adam, did Abraham, did he say, well, God, I want to serve you and do your will, but I'm just going to stay here in Ur. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to stay right here in Ur. And God says, no, come on, get up out of Ur of the Chaldees. I want to take you to a place. Well, where are you going to take me? I'm not going to tell you yet. Just come follow me. We are people who want to know all the things before we ever make a decision. Most always. And we can't be that way. We must do what God asks us, saying, Lord, I'm available, I'm dependable, and I am mobile. I'll go wherever, whenever you want me to go. Then think with me about another thing. Not only are we to be people who are willing to be mobile, but are we a person who is compatible Compatible. Now, what's that word compatible mean to you? I'm going to do it as long as they do it my way. Is that compatible? Now, uh, being Father's Day, to be a father, that means you have to be married. Well, not necessarily, but that's the right order of things, right? So let me assume that you are married. Uh, how many fathers are in here right now? Okay. Uh, I know you're married. And you've got a grandchild. Gemini, four of them. You have four children? No, your brother has the others. Okay, good. Uh, you came by them in the right order, right? But in order for that to happen, you and your wife have to be compatible. You have to see eye to eye. You don't have to see eye to eye? Okay. You're like the guy I heard about that. They said, well, how are things in your home? He said, fine. What do you mean fine? Well, my, my wife tells the kids what to do, and kids tell the cats what to do, and I'm just left out here. That's compatible, huh? But real compatibility in marriage is that you are linked together as one. And you love one another more than you love yourself. That's what you're to do. I always counsel those who are getting married, and they say, would you do our wedding? 
I said, yes, but I'm also going to do your funeral. You know a marriage is also a funeral? Because you have to die to self and put the other person first in your life. Can you do that? Compatibility is given to us in God's word as he speaks to our hearts and as he asks us this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. The work is God's, but he uses you and me. We must be compatible with the Lord. And as the Lord says, go, we are to go. When he says, go ye into all the world, we are to go. And if I can't go into all the world because he hasn't chosen for me to, I can send someone else in my place or help send them there. And so as we look at what God is saying, oftentimes in this whole concept of compatibility or in harmony with the Lord and what God would have in our lives, oftentimes we're interested in me, myself, and I. It's not we, Lord. What's in it for me, Lord? Compatibility says... Whatever God asks, I am going to do it. I'm compatible with him. He's made me in his image. And so I shall be as he is. I read a story. Any of you, any of you ever see an old pump organ? I read a story in a book about this little boy who was working in his old church. And all he could do was with the organist, he could sit there and pump the pump on the side of the organ so that the air would come out and as she played it, it would make a noise. And one day, after service, he walked out with, with the organist and he said to her, you know, we, we did a good job today, didn't we? And she said to him, what do you mean, we? I did a good job today. The next Sunday, she sat down at the organ. He was there at his place and she began to play, and nothing happened. And she looked down at him, and he looked up at her, and he says, Is it you, or is it we? Compatibility is where we work with the Lord together. Green Pines can be all God wants it to be, only when we're compatible with the Lord. And what he would have us to do. How many of you have ever, any of you ever seen a prize uh, uh, fight, a uh, boxing fight? Any of you? You ever go to one? You went to one, George? Great. When I was a little boy uh, growing up, they were on TV just like wrestling. Some of you can't remember those days, but some of you can. And uh, I've seen some very good, good, excellent boxers make a mistake. And you know why they made their mistake? Because they weren't stable. God wants you and me to be men and women of stability. We're 
firmly set in the Lord. I want you to look in Galatians with me, chapter 5. And verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Right now, there are spiritual battles going on in your lives. They don't wait for you to get out of the church. They go on right now. Sometimes spiritual battles are little simple ones. You're right now thinking about where are we going to lunch for Father's Day instead of thinking about what God wants. Now let me get back to the boxing. There's an ultimate thing that a boxer should never do if he's to be a stable boxer. And that one thing is never drop your guard. When they drop their guard, you know what the opposition does? They knock them out. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do when you have an unstable moment in your spiritual life. He's ready to let you have it. Your worst enemy is Satan. And he wants you to be as unstable as you can, as wishy-washy as you can be. Not grounded in the faith. Not stable in your commitment to Christ. Not available to the Lord. Not dependable for his service. Not mobile to do wherever and whatever God. He doesn't want you to be stable. He wants you to lower your guard. But the word of God says that we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, on and on. It talks about how we are to be guarded, grounded in Christ, stable in what God wants us to do, very able men and women of the faith. Today, can you say about yourself, I'm right there, Pastor Bill. I'm right there. Well, let me say something. Peter thought he was right there, but he was in the wrong place when he was standing at that fire when Christ was in Caiaphas' house. Where was Jonah? Was he in the right place when he was in the belly of that fish? No. Where are you today? Are you really stable? And in the right place, God wants you to be. If not, I call on you to make a commitment of your life to place Christ first. And I'll tell you, if you do, you'll never regret doing it. I'm not saying just make him Lord of your life as a redeemed child of God. I'm saying he's all of your life. He's your very purpose for being here. And it's amazing how when that's true, everything comes together. Are you going to be there without problems? No. Are you going to be there without heartaches? Will things happen to family members and loved ones that you don't want to happen? Yeah. But you won't crumble because he who made you is with you. He who saved you will hold you by the hand. And say, come on, let's go.
through the trial. I think back upon a man who was in the right place. His name was Daniel. Even though he was in the lion's den, he was a stable man. He was dependable, accountable to God. A man that desired to do anything God wanted him to do. Had to be mobile because they took him away from his homeland into a foreign land. But in that lion's den, he knew one thing. I can depend on God. What about the three people that we call Shadrach, Meshach, and the way we go? As the little boy says. They were in a tight place, wouldn't you say? But they were stable in their faith. That's what God calls on us. So today, are you there? Can you say to your Lord, I'm where you want me to be? Or are you saying, no, Lord, I haven't really fully committed myself 100%. I'll do it right now. As we stand and as God speaks to your heart right now, decisions need to be made.